0: It is the first Tuesday in March, which means that we are going to hear from our stewardship rep here at Moody Bible Institute in the Quad Cities area, Jared Hall, who began a study into Jesus parables last month, and we're going to continue with Lesson 2 this morning. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. It's great to see you guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, almost spring. We're getting closer anyway. <laughs> I love spring. Hmm. Yeah, I do too. And I hate Spring. I have a very mixed relationship. One really? day it's like, wow, we're on to something. The next day, yeah. this is miserable. It's windy. <laughs> That's true. Rains in your face. Wow. Yeah. It's a very mm-hmm. fickled season. It is. So I have a fickled relationship with it as a result. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, we pray for sunny days for you, Jared. <laughs> so last time you were with us, we talked, we started parables. And we're going to continue on with that one uh, today. Um, so which one are you going to talk about today? Yep. So we're looking at parables in the book of Luke. And so I mentioned last time that one of the things that happens when we're looking at parables, which again are stories that teach spiritual truths, is that there's been a propensity in the past to overinterpret the details of the parables, yes. filling yeah. them up with meanings that aren't there And I think the Mm -hmm. parable we're coming to this week, because of the amount of detail in it, Luke 15, that causes people to then look at the parables and over-examine them. And um, we'll see that again in future parables that we'll do in the series. But I think this one is really the driving factor. And uh, while this is the longest one, because it's really three parables in one, the first two parables are building up to the main parable. So we'll try to summarize those first two fairly quickly for the sake of time, and then look at a little bit more detail in the third parable. But I want to start with okay. this setting. Chapter 15, verse 1 says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the setting here is, is that if you imagine a, a church, a simple-fashioned church, where you have uh, two rows of pews, and aisle down the middle. Kind of imagine that. One side is filled up with these religious leaders, and then the other side is filled up with these sinners and tax collectors. Tax mm-hmm. collectors being problematic because they are uh, Jewish people who are working for the Roman government, and they're overcharging their countrymen in order to line their own pockets and then to pay back Rome. Mm-hmm. Rome wasn't sending their own citizens to be tax collectors. They were using people who were already there. And then the religious leaders, they were um, upset that Jesus was comfortable eating with these with these sinners, and the reason is is that they saw that there was this. They believed at this time that while God had given the Torah, the six hundred and thirteen commandments found in Genesis through Deuteronomy, that the Lord had also given to Moses an oral law that had never been written down but had been passed on. But this stuff was all made up. All they were doing were creating extra laws to try to keep people from breaking the laws that were in the Torah. Hmm. So if you imagine like a garden, what do you put around a garden to keep critters out? A fence. A fence, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really what the oral law was, was a fence to try to keep people from breaking the 613 commandments found Hmm. in the Torah. And so they're upset because they feel like if Jesus is willing to sit with sinners and eat with them, then he's increasing the likelihood that he's going to break the commandments because he's breaking the fence. Mm. And that's what gotcha. really rubs these guys the wrong way about Jesus. Mm. And mm. so what he does then is he goes into a parable. So he's got these mm-hmm. he's a dual audience, right? Sinners and religious people. Now, the first story is about a person who loses a sheep. He has ninety nine he has a hundred sheep, loses one goes looking for the one, finds it, comes back, big celebration. Now, what's interesting is, is that people on both sides of this can hear this story and go, ah, that makes sense. And it makes sense for you and I, too. I remember a time, this is not a flattering story of mine, I was at home, I had been grocery shopping, I start looking around for my wallet, can't find my wallet anywhere. I go into full-blown panic mode. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I go to my wife and I'm like, Missy, I need your help, right? Because now this problem is not just my problem. I need to share my problem with her, right? Mm -hmm. And somehow that my carelessness is now her burden as well. And so we're tearing this house apart. I'm out in my car. I got my feet hanging out of the car. I'm halfway upside (laughs) down. I'm digging through the cracks. I got flashlights everywhere. Can't find it. Mm -hmm. Go back to the grocery store. I'm out in the parking lot with a flashlight looking on the ground. Can't find it. Go inside the store. Go up to customer service. Hey, has anyone turned in a wallet? No one's turned in a wallet. But hey, we got a manager coming back in the morning. When do you open? 6 a.m. I'll be here. 6 a.m. Comes. I'm back at the grocery store talking to the manager. Hey, is there a wallet here? No wallet there. I am just mm. beside mm. myself. Mm. And I go back home and I had this moment of pause. And I look at my shelf and I had set my wallet behind something else. It was right oh. there that whole time. You know, oh, ironically, wow. it was the last place I looked. Sure. <laughs> wow. As is the case, right? <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but the principle is, is that a wall is important, right? Yes. It wasn't mm-hmm. the fact that I had a lot of money in there; is the fact that I didn't want to go through the process of getting a new driver's license and new debit card and new credit card yeah. and all of those right. or row things. And so, what's true is is that if something is lost and then it's important, we go look for it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, have you guys ever? Lost something. Yeah. So oh, that was yeah. important. Oh, yeah. And a lot what do you of times, do? Yeah, you search yeah, everywhere you can think right. of. You possibly might have laid it down. That's right. And so the same yeah. thing's true in the first century. So as Jesus is telling this story. Hey, if you lose a sheep, you're going to go look for it? Both sides of the audience are going, yep, I'm going to go look for it. But he doesn't stop there. He goes to this next story about this lady who loses a coin. Now, keep in mind that she has 10 coins. She loses one. And so what does she do? She lights a lamp. That's a process in the first century of getting the oil ready and getting the wick ready and having fire and lighting that thing up. And she's gonna sweep and search everywhere. Why? Well, you read it and you go. Well, she just lost one coin. But imagine if you lost ten percent of your wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You go looking <laughs> yes, for ten percent of your wealth. Yeah, you go looking. Mm-hmm. So whether it's $1 or $1,000 or $100,000, if you lose 10%, you're going to go looking for it, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, if he says, you right. you, know, you lost 10%, you're going to look for it. You're going to do everything you can to look for it. And when you find it, you're going to throw a big celebration. Everybody in the audience is going, yeah, yeah, if I lost 10% of what my wealth, i go looking for it. Right? Why? Because if you lose something important, you go looking for it. That's right. It makes sense. Yeah. And this is where we come to the third parable. It's more complex now. He said that there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we have a father. He has two sons. Younger son comes to the dad and says, give me your inheritance. Now, this is insulting in our modern setting. If someone said, hey, dad, give me what you give me when you died. It's even more unsettling in a first century context with the respect Mm -hmm. and honor system that's in place there. Right. Because essentially the younger son said, well, dad, if you were just let's act as though you're dead. Good as dead. Just give me the money. And then he goes, he's somewhere else, wild living, spends it all, ends up broke, ends up working on a farm. He's feeding the pigs, right? So now, in this Jewish context that Jesus is telling mm-hmm. the story, they're, they're listening to this young son. They're like, ah, he took his dad's money for inheritance? That's unbelievable. Ah, he spent on reckless living? Unbelievable. Now, that's what the religious leaders are saying. The other side might be going, sounds like a good time so far. Yeah. But then he ends up working on this farm with pigs. Hmm. And probably both sides at this point is going like, oh, that's not great. We're working with an yeah, unclean animal. Right. Like this is, oh, he wants to eat the pods that the pigs are eating? This is bad, right? So now both sides are going like, not good. But the younger son comes to his senses, and this is what he says. But he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I... Perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and Mm -hmm. ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So son has a little pep talk with himself. He's like, hey, it'd be better to be working for my dad's farm than this farm because his, yeah. he takes care of his servants. So he prepares his talk in his head, right? So as Jesus is telling his story, even today, we all know that we've been in the situation where we come up with a story in our head and we rehearse it. We go, okay, this is a tough conversation. If I say this, it's going to be okay, right? Anybody ever rehearse a conversation in their head? Oh, yeah. yeah, yes. yep. right. Many times. Yes. And so Jesus, <laughs> as he's telling the story, everyone's like, yep, I had that conversation in my head before. And then what's interesting is is that before he's even there, his father spots him for a long way off, which means the father was anticipating the return of his son, Mm -hmm. and the son starts to give his speech, but before he can get to the servant part, dad cuts him off and says, we're having a celebration, right? Now we begin to parallel what he had done in the previous two parables, right? Sheep's gone, get the sheep back, throw a big party. Coins lost, find the coin, big party, right? Son was seemingly dead. He's back. We throw a big party. Now, there's a story of a missionary who's having a conversation with a Chinese man about the story. And the uh, Chinese man was an extremely gifted artist. And he was so struck by this parable mm-hmm. that he decided to paint a picture of it. And in the picture, there's a picture of this father sitting, looking off into the distance. And then the son is in the distance, a long way off. And the artist says, no, no, no. Uh, the the Christian missionary says, no, no, no this, is not, this is not it because because the man goes running to him. And the Chinese artist goes like, um, not in my culture. Like no father is going to be running after his son. He's going to be sitting waiting for his son. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Christian says, but that's, that's also true in the first century in Israel. Is that the father would be sitting. And that's how Jesus turns this whole thing on its head because mm. the father isn't just an earthly father, but the father represents a heavenly father. Yeah. So the mm. artist repainted the picture with mm. the father running towards the son and on his feet put mismatched shoes to demonstrate the father being in such a hurry to go after the son. Oh, wow. I love that picture. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And so for half of the audience, the sinners and tax collectors, this is for them. They're the younger son. They're the ones who are off from the father. And they need to hear, hey, the father in heaven is longing for your return. He Mm -hmm. wants a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us listening today who feel like God's distant or far away, it's not true. It's not real. It feels real, but it's not what's actually true. The Father in Heaven wants a relationship with you, and He wants a relationship with you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and raise from the grave to pay for your sins, to cancel out all of the wrong things you've done, so that way you can be in a relationship with the Father and experience life forever in Heaven and eternity with Him. So that's half the audience. But there's the other half, the religious leaders. And so there's two sons, right? We haven't talked about the older son. So, verse 25 now, the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And I love this, right? Because the older son already has all these assumptions about what's true, right? Like, you've never done anything for me. Well, the father's probably done something for him, right? So that's self-deception. And then he goes, Mm Oh, well, my younger brother wasted all of his money on prostitutes. He doesn't know that, mm-hmm. right? It's an assumption. And then the father says, but we got to celebrate. Now, what's he, there's one this very important part to this whole thing. In the first parable, sheep's lost. Someone goes looking for the sheep. Why? Because if something's important, we go looking for it. When the woman loses her coin, she goes looking for it. Why? Because if you lose something important, you go looking for it. And here, the younger brother's lost, but what doesn't happen? The older brother never goes and looks for him. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes are mm. missing. Mm-hmm. Is their responsibility to the other side of the aisle. Mm. That if they're the ones who supposedly get it, who are supposedly obedient... If they really understood the Torah, that man is made in the image of God, and that everyone has inherent value. If you really understood the Torah, that these are the children of Abraham, that even though they're sinners and tax collectors, that they're still brothers. That they would go and search for them in their lostness instead of separating themselves from them. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what's true for you and I. As believers, if we're mature in Christ, is that we need to see people as important because that's how God sees them. So we have to understand that people who are lost, who are far from God, are made in the image of God. And if they're really valuable, then we're going to go and search them. That's Mm -hmm. the piece that's missing in this parable Mm -hmm. is that the older brother never goes and looks for the younger brother. And the Pharisees and the scribes, religious leaders of the day, should have been more concerned— about the spiritual state of the sinners and tax collectors than they were. And so instead of, they just separate themselves. Yeah. And sometimes Christians fall into this same temptation, yes, we do. is that we separate ourselves from those who are not in Christ instead of trying to be light and going into the darkness to dispel that darkness and to bring the truth that this is the only life that we have, that we do have a savior and that the savior has come to bring them from death to life just as i said from being lost to found it's a good word jared mm-hmm. appreciate it hey thanks guys